Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The winning broadcaster, Roy Green, is keeping you company on your weekend. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. So I don't know if you're a, if you're a motor racing fan or not. I'm a huge Formula One fan, and then you know, when the race starts, all the lights are red, and they all go out, and all the cars take off. So the lights went on, went out, and I stepped on the gas um, <laughs> around the usual start time to the show, and nothing happened. So we're back and uh, and live on radio with the Roy Green Show on the Cordos Radio Network. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you uh, to the folks at um, at Bell. Well, they caused the problem, but then they fixed it. After I was at my persuasive vest, Denny Kader is lucky he's not on the air today. <laughs> <laughs> he's lucky he's not on the air today. How do you start a show with 30 minutes to go? You start it with Catherine Swift, Linda Leatherdale, and Michelle Simpson. It's the only way you start it. With the Beauties on the Beast segment, and I know you were all getting comfortable, getting ready, you know, I had the, I don't know if the white wine was in the cooler and the red wine was on the table. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. (laughs) And if Justin Trudeau came over, the zigzag paper would be around, maybe I know. Oh, there you go, there you go. (laughs) Who's inhaling? No idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) So here we are, and uh, thank you for hanging in, Catherine, Linda, and Michelle. You guys are the best. Ah, uh, hey, we're glad we're on air. I'm I surprised said, yeah. you still have the energy left to deal with us, Roy, after dealing with Bell for the last few hours. You know, the music, they need to change that lousy little piece of music they play over and over. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> but I have to give credit to Pierre. Pierre got somebody on it. He said, this is the kind of problem we only fix Monday to Friday. Uh-huh. I said, not this time. Wow. Oh, that's good. Oh. And he got on it. He got somebody to work on it, got somebody to work on it from home, remote it onto our system, and they found their problem, and they fixed their problem, and they got us back on the air, so thanks to them. Well, good. Thank you, Bell. Just don't do yeah. the first part of the problem next time. So uh, here we are, and there's been a lot of talk, and uh, we're going to tomorrow be speaking with um, the leader of Wild Rose in Alberta, Brian Jean. He's going to be joining me on this feud that's developed with uh, Denny Cadero, the mayor of Montreal. Over the uh, Energy East pipeline, the mayor has uh, unwisely, I think, offered some specific uh, criticism of Energy East. Why that is, I don't know, particularly when he's the guy who dumped how many billions of liters of toilet product into the St. Lawrence River? Untreated waste, untreated sewage. Yep. Yeah. So so he now feels that he has to take runs at, uh, at Energy East. Does he not realize, do the people who, who argue against pipelines in Canada not realize, we're not talking about building two or three pipelines? There's already, how many thousands are there in this country? Well, there's tons all over North America. All over North so America. This is nothing yeah. new. You walk on them every day. It's just the nutty, the nutty, uh, the loony, greeny movement that, uh, you know, the extremes that suddenly have decided it's bad. And, of course, the, the farcical part of it is, it, the oil's going to move anyway, and if it moves in other ways, it's way more dangerous. So it, to, to me, it just defies common sense. It, it does, and it's our economic our economic advantage, such as we have. 
I bet you that's Catherine. Even the dogs are working. <laughs> well, you know who let the dogs out for Cordaire? I guess they're after them. Whose dogs are, whose dogs are those? Absolutely. Whose dogs are we? They're, he's heading down the road right now with the pugs. Are those, are those your dogs, Linda? I apologize. I apologize. Put them in the car. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brad, uh, let me see now here. Um, um, I was looking for the, the, uh, the tweet. Everything's upside down here now. I was looking for the tweet from Denny Kader to, um, to uh, at least uh, Brian Jean's tweet to, uh, to Denny Kader was, you can't dump raw sewage, accept foreign tankers, benefit from equalization, and then reject our pipelines. And, uh, and then Denny Kader responds while he's talking to Radio Canada, and he says, you have to allow me a moment to laugh at a guy like Brian Jean when he says he relies on science. These are probably the same people who think the Flintstones is a documentary. Does he think he's funny? You know what? It just goes to show how scary he is. He wouldn't even come on your show, Roy. What's well, wrong with Well, not yet. Him? Not yet. Michelle, he's your former caucus colleague. Yes. And, and, and what, do you, what do you make of the, of the mayor of Montreal's performance over the last few days? Well, I, I too, I was taken by the fact that, you know, what what's he afraid of? Is he afraid of you? Is he afraid of us? I don't know. Um, I do know that the one thing I, I always uh, recognized about uh, Mr. Kader was uh, he, when he takes a stand, like this particular one, or, you know, there was a time in caucus where he took a stand, he, he goes wild, like it's, like it's, his head explodes, and he somehow goes over the top. The first time I ever spoke with Denny Kader, he was the immigration minister, and I was doing my show at 900 CHML in Hamilton. We got into it on the phone. Pretty good. And he said, I'm not doing this on the phone. I'm going to come down there tomorrow. I'm going to fly in. I'm going to do your show in person. Fair enough. So he came in, and one of my, my first comment to him had to do with his, his extra weight he was carrying around. I suggested to him that it wasn't particularly healthy. He laughed wildly, and we got along great after they never avoided the show. He took on the the, uh, the, the most challenging issues, and I always thought, here's a guy who's not going to duck and run if I call him, if I try to get him on the air. I've contacted him, tried to contact him numerous times over the last few years, never received a reply. Some people who know him have tried to contact him on my behalf. No reply. I don't know what's going on. I actually today filled out one of those obligatory forms on the City of Montreal website. You know, the contact us forms? Mm-hmm. Why are you trying wow. to con- get in touch with the mayor? I actually filled out one of those today. Okay. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe he'll come on tomorrow. But this whole idea of the pipelines, let me just get your thoughts, uh, all three of you. And, Michelle, I'll start with you, please. Just just sort of bottom line this for us. I, uh, I think he's out of his mind. I, I really and truly do. Energy East, I think what's going to happen is this is going to end up right on the plate of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. I, I really do. This is a serious issue, and for Denny Kader to be making the kinds of statements he's been making is really going to alienate the, the West big time. Yeah. And not only, not only I, Brian Jean. I just Jean. don't know what the end game is. I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced I know what his end game is. Yeah. It's not only going to get criticism from Brian Jean. He's already been criticized by Mayor Nenshi of Calgary, been criticized oh, yeah. by the Premier of Alberta, who has received support from the Premier of, of Ontario, or we've criticized, but 
Uh, and this is a separate issue. This is the, the, I don't know what he's up to and the other mayors in the, on the island of Montreal are up to. I have no idea. I only know that I'm not going to be speeding anytime soon when I'm in the city of Montreal. Because <laughs> they'll abandon Better me not. on a bridge. They'll confiscate my car on a bridge. Um, Catherine, again to you, the, the pipeline issue speaks to what? Well, first of all, the pipeline exists. I, I mean, let's, let's get the facts out here. It already exists. It has to be repurposed. It's a gas pipeline right now. Um, we're not even talking, you know, we're not even talking about a huge amount of a new, a new entity. Um, I'm not only disgruntled with Kader. I think a lot of premiers, up till recently, win. I'm glad she's come out more or less in favor. She's still a bit coy, eh? like what advantages is it going to bring to Ontario, la, la, la. And Christy Clark out in B.C. has been no help at all either. And I guess what's really disheartening is do all of these people sit in their little fiefdoms, do they not see the big picture? of Canada? Do they not see that this is a no-brainer? This should be a no-brainer getting, uh, you know, unlocking our oil reserves in Alberta um, to, to the greater, you know, the greater world. Uh, and it'll create tons of economic uh, growth. It'll create tons of jobs at a time where our economy is struggling. I mean, what is wrong with this picture other than very parochial, small-p provincial premiers who can't get beyond their borders and see that this benefits the whole country, including them? All right, let's go to the Canadian version of the dog whisperer for her thoughts, Linda Leatherdale. <laughs> Cordero, you're still chasing them. You know what? I use a simple little phrase, and it's going to come back again. Let those eastern bastards freeze in the dark. Cordero is fueling a divide in this country, and at this time, economically, Roy, we, with oil prices, and it's hurting all of us, let's face it, uh, this is not a time. This is a time that this needs to go through. So I don't know what he's smoking, but um, I would say that the Calgary Sun did a great editorial uh, basically saying how ridiculous his stance is. And uh, I think Canadians should band together and say we need this. Brian Jean is on the show tomorrow, the leader of Wild Rose. I've invited the mayor of Montreal. You guys have really helped me get him on the show today. Um, not that I'm helping myself. Apparently not. We've, I'm not helping my cause either. <laughs> we'll see if, we'll see if Mayor Kader joins us. And when we come back, it's an issue that Linda really, um, I think it's her number one issue, and it's one that really is significantly important. Canadians continue to set the record for indebtedness in the developed world. Stay with us. We're back live on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. News doesn't stop happening on Fridays. With News Talk Radio at its weekend best, The Roy Green Show delivers on the Chorus Radio Network. You will find me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show and emails to Roy at RoyGreenshow.com. Um, condolences to the, uh, to the people in Saskatchewan, particularly in Lalosh where four people are dead after that uh, school shooting. We had planned to speak with uh, Bree McAdam from CKOM Radio in Saskatoon today. That was going to be the first segment we aired. And we'll see if we can't speak to Bree tomorrow, but condolences to everyone in Saskatchewan. Just a, a terrible situation. We will also uh, look to see what happens as far as the jury's decision is concerned in the trial of James Forcillo, the Toronto police officer. We'll talk about that tomorrow, uh, regardless of whether the uh, the jury brings down a verdict uh, depending if there's a verdict tomorrow, it will change the discussion. But I have a question that I want to ask you tomorrow. And I've already run it past a number of people in a small informal focus group that I have. And that the question that I'm going to ask is, 
whether you believe that police officers should be granted immunity from criminal charges when they're on the job unless there's clear evidence the officer committed a crime while on the job. Should police officers be granted immunity from criminal charges when they're on the job unless there's clear evidence that they have committed a crime? And the reason I'm asking that is that significant numbers of police officers, from what I understand, particularly in the United States, have adopted the FIDO policy. And Scott Newark talked to us about that a while ago. And it's not very pleasant, but it's FIDO as F it, drive on. And if police officers, in the U.S. particularly, will see issues that they could resolve, but they consider to be problematic for them, they will imply the, uh, employ the FIDO policy. So how do you react to that? We'll talk about that tomorrow on the show. Back with Catherine Swift, WorkingCanadians.ca, Linda Leatherdale, LindaLeatherdale.com, independent business journalist, and Michelle Simpson, former Liberal Member of Parliament, at Michelle Simpson on Twitter. So here's the, uh, here's the story that Catherine sent us from Gordon Isfeld from the Financial Post. Just read a couple of lines. Canadian households are carrying the biggest debt-to-income loads of the Group of Seven, the federal budget watchdog says, and the burden is likely to get even heavier. Canadians have piled up the biggest increase in debt-to-income in the G7 since 2000, according to a new report by the Parliamentary Budget Officer, released Tuesday. In fact, in the third quarter of 2015, household debt reached 171% of disposable income. In other words, for every $100 of disposable income, households have debt obligations of $171. My instinct is to start with Linda Leatherdale, but I'm I'm just going to... I'm just going to put the brakes on that. I'll start with Michelle Simpson instead. Instead, Michelle, a buck seventy-one for every dollar of disposable income coming into the house. Well, I I, I agree with Linda, and I have all the way along. Um, th- those are bizarre numbers, as far as I'm concerned. And this party is going to be over at some point. It really is, and my, it's my biggest fear that there are going to be an unprecedented number of Canadians that then get sucked into this vortex when it does. And that, to me, is quite scary. Um, Because uh, having been in the game in terms of lending money for mortgages years ago, they had very strict, you know, debt service ratios, and it worked, and it was good, it was healthy. This is not healthy, right? Catherine, one of the things that was done over and over, said over and over, particularly as we came out of 2009 globally, was consumers drive the economy, go out and buy, and interest rates are extremely low. That was the message that was sent out, and apparently it was very well received in this country far too well. What happens now, Catherine? Well, there's no question it's very worrisome, and the rates have already started going up in the States. We, we saw the Bank of Canada governor hold off this past week on, on lowering rates further, or doing anything else for that matter, um, in waiting for the, to see what the government's going to do on the so-called infrastructure stimulus front. But, you know, it, it is very worrisome when we see us leading in a bad way, uh, the, you know, the, the major developed countries around the world, it, it is a big concern. That being said, though, I think one thing I find a little too cute from government, and there was a fabulous column in yesterday's post from Bill Watson, who's an economics professor, and he said, yes, Canadian consumers, 171, you know, that number you cited where they're, you know, 171% of debt over income. Do you know what the number for the federal government is? 300. No. They're almost twice 
as bad in terms of their indebtedness to their income as our average Canadians. So whenever the government says, tiss, tiss, Canadians, you're borrowing too much, naughty you, uh, look in the mirror, guys. Our governments are also in debt up to their eyeballs. So I tend to look at the whole picture, because when the government's in debt up to their eyeballs, that just means the rest of us. Well, exactly. I was going to say... Future taxes. I was going to say, Linda, if the government's in trouble, in, in debt... We're in debt because we, we have the we have the money. Government doesn't have any money. Well, there you go, and they're going to come after us, Catherine. So right to increase our taxes, which means even less money and more debt for Canadians. But you know, Roy, you and I, and 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 the, the, the beauties have been on this topic for so long, and it only just gets higher and higher and higher. And yes, cheap interest rates. I have encouraged people to borrow more, like 63% of this is mortgage debt. Um, but so has an unprecedented housing market. Um, and I just looked at some numbers. Um, can a world-class city like Toronto and Vancouver have the bubble burst? Absolutely. I just looked at this in London and Hong Kong and Vancouver and Toronto are on a list. If this corrects itself then people can't use their eight, their homes like ATMs and been borrowing like lines of credit, etc. This could be a huge. Well, we know stock markets are hurting right now. We know oil prices are down. But if the housing markets go boom or bust, then this could be really, really detrimental. You to know, all one Canadians. one one upside here is that uh, when I tweeted about two weeks ago that Canadians are carrying, on average a personal debt of 20000 just over $20,000, excluding mortgages. This is personal debt, on average, just over $20,000. There was tremendous concern expressed. People understand, and they're trying to pay down their debts, mm-hmm. but the, the, the numbers are, are huge. And, Michelle, um, what's, gonna ha- what's this government going to do? What do you, what do you foresee? Well, I, I think they are going to try to somehow rein it in because it's it's getting progressively worse in terms of i i don't know what part people don't understand again to linda's point if that bubble bursts and in terms of the housing market particularly in centers like toronto and vancouver it's going to be devastating because they have used their homes as atms Securing lines of credit, they're being used to purchase cars and all kinds of... And encouraged to do so, and we have 30 seconds left, by the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and Catherine, one of the things that worries me is that uh, the government continues to insist they're going to spend billions and billions and billions <laughs> to stimulate infrastructure. I get that part. I just don't... I'm not so sure about borrowing excessive billions of dollars. Ten seconds, Catherine, you say? Yep, I agree, Roy. It's, it's, it's very bad, and anybody that thinks governments create wealth, uh, give your head a shake. It doesn't happen. It's never happened in the history of the world. It won't happen here either. Beauties, thank you. If we had to come back and, uh, and, and get a segment on the air, I'm glad it was this one. <laughs> Me too. Oh, thank you, Talk to you next. Talk to you next Saturday. Look and to we it. will be back with a complete show tomorrow. Complete show. Thanks for joining us on this abbreviated version. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Bye-bye.